Good morning, everyone. Nice to see so many of you here. I was just reminiscing in my mind back when the temple was empty and I was looking at that little red dot and sharing with all of you online. So nice to have everyone here. So I'm going to do something a little different and read whispers at the end today. I think it'll make more sense if I read it at the end. So I hope you'll go along with that. <laughs> um, the reading this week made me think of a story from Dr. Lewis. Dr. Lewis was uh, Yogananda's first disciple when he came to Boston. And Dr. Lewis tells of a time when he was constantly asking master for samadhi, constantly pestering him, give me samadhi, give me samadhi, until he said he finally more or less cornered Yogananda and insisted that he give him samadhi right this very minute. And he said, master looked at him very deeply and demanded, are you ready for it? If I give it to you right now, could you handle it? And Dr. Lewis said he had to admit, no, sir, I guess I'm not ready yet. And of course, that's samadhi, cosmic consciousness. Maybe most of us are not ready for samadhi right this instant, but it's true all along the way. The teachings are not meant to be secret. They're not for just a select few. But the truth is that we're not all equally ready for that consciousness, for that truth. It's like the journey in the festival that we read every week, right? We're all on this long soul journey that's talked about. This little bird, right, is on this journey and it goes through different stages, the revolt, the quest, the redemption. And if we think of someone who's in that stage of the revolt, maybe we can even think of ourselves at an earlier time in our lives when we're in that stage of uh, wanting to keep what is mine for myself and thinking about what I can get from life. Maybe we're in that stage where we're on that journey away from our home and God. The spiritual teachings are not going to be very meaningful. They're not going to be very useful. They're, they're not going to make any sense because we're not ready. Uh, but for every soul, there's a perfect divine plan. For every soul, there's a perfect divine timing for every step, every stage of that journey. I think I was thinking about my own experience and just even coming to Ananda. And I'd been practicing yoga, but when I came to Ananda, I found, found it in Rhode Island. We have a center on the East Coast in Rhode Island. And there have been moments where I thought, gosh, why couldn't I have come to Ananda sooner? Why couldn't I have found master sooner? I would have avoided so much trouble. Um, and yet, why didn't I? I would have gone running for the hills if I'd come any sooner. I wouldn't have been ready. I just wouldn't have been ready. That's the honest truth. And so, you know, that's true for all of us. Wherever we are in our journey, you know, if we think, oh, I have to, a little bit more, or, you know, it just to relax and appreciate where we are on that journey and appreciate where others are on that journey too. I think that's part of the lesson in this. If you think of, I know we have some, some plant lovers and some gardeners here. If you think of a garden that's full of a variety of different plants, maybe some little seedlings, maybe some established trees, and 
water is universally good for all of the plants. They all need water. But if you water them all equally at the same time and the same amount, it's not going to work. It's not going to be good. If you give a little seedling the same amount of water as a big oak tree, it's going to drown. And the same is true for us and with the spiritual teachings. The spiritual teachings are universally good and right for every soul. Yogananda said, God is for everyone. But the soul has to be ready. The soul has to be mature. The soul has to be thirsty in order to be able to receive those teachings. This journey that's talked about in the festival, another way of looking at it is um, as progressive development. Swami Kriyananda, in his book, Education for Life, talks about progressive development, which is based on the teachings of the Bhagavad Gita. And it's this idea that we're all on this, I'm going to go like this instead of like this, because it's really this continuum of consciousness and energy, and that we're all moving upwards towards greater expansion and greater joy. Well, a friend of mine, Usha Derman, recently published her second book, which so beautifully illustrates this concept of progressive development and how to work with it, how to work with energy and consciousness within ourselves, with other people, and how to move towards greater expansion and greater joy, because that's what we're really all, wherever we are on that spectrum, we're all trying to find greater happiness and joy. And I mention her book because she has a beautiful illustration of a flower. And so if you think of a tulip, right, it starts off as a little bulb, and that tulip bulb is like that heavy or contractive consciousness or energy, right? There's all this potential energy but nothing's happening. And there's nothing you can do to make it grow. You just have to wait. It just takes time. And then it starts to grow. And there's that stem that comes up and leaves that start to convert energy from the sun. But all of the energy at that stage, this is the ego active stage, all of the energy is going towards the self, towards self-development, towards greater growth. Until finally, the flower the blossom, which is that light and expansive stage of consciousness where we've realized our divine potential and our energy is going into sharing with others, the flower sharing its fragrance and its beauty, right? It's not, its energy is not going back towards itself anymore. And so we can see where each of us are somewhere along this continuum. And of course, there's stages in between all along the way. We're all on this continuum of energy and consciousness and expansion and growth. And yet, as we move along, as we start to expand and experience more joy, it's the nature of joy to want to share itself. And it, and it helps us to continue to expand, to be able to share. So if not everyone's equally ready though, how do we share with others? How can we share with others? So I love what St. Francis says, preach the gospel at all times and, if necessary, use words. <laughs> and it really helps us to expand our idea of what it means to share with others, that it's not so much about what we say or what we do, but about the energy and the consciousness behind what we say, what we do, 
behind everything. So think about how do you live the teachings? How do you put them into practice? What is the energy, the consciousness that you bring into your life? How do you show up in your life? How do you show up in your relationships? Can you bring that energy, that consciousness of joy into everything that you do? In the Bhagavad Gita commentaries, Swami says, greater than words, however wise, is the sharing of uplifted vibrations. Those who wish to share spiritually should be conscious above all of sharing with others their vibrations of divine joy and inspiration. Preach the gospel. If necessary, use words. But a lot of times it's not necessary. (laughs) We can get a lot further with a lot of people by not using words, by coming from our heart, by getting our energy right and sharing inwardly with others. So I thought of a beautiful example we have here in our community, which is every April, we have our Tulip Festival. And people come to Ananda, thousands of people come to Ananda, thousands of people, (laughs) for thousands of tulips. And yet they're not coming necessarily for yoga or meditation or higher consciousness or the masters, they're just coming for tulips. And yet somehow they're uplifted in some way, they're transformed. It's so beautiful. Those of us who live in the community, we get to volunteer. And so I usually volunteer at the lower garden entrance, which is where people with low mobility come so they can park closer to the entrance. So a lot of times people will come with their mother or their father who maybe is in a wheelchair or something. And when they arrive, it's interesting to see their energy when they arrive because maybe they've been on a long drive, they've been in the car with their family, everyone's a little tense, maybe, you know, (laughs) a little tired. And they get out and they get their tickets and they get in. But seeing them on the way out, wow, everybody's relaxed. They're smiling. It's like they just had the best day of their lives. And it's not just the tulips. It's not just the tulips. It's the energy and the consciousness that goes into everything there. The energy and the consciousness of the gardeners, of the volunteers, the people that are organizing, of everyone who's ever meditated there, including Swami Kriyananda. That's what they're experiencing. Whether they know it or not, they don't have to understand. We don't have to tell them, you know, unless they ask, which more and more people are asking. They come and they say, so what are you really doing here? (laughs) What's really going on? (laughs) Because they're starting to, right? They're a little further on that journey and they're starting to wake up a little bit. Huh, there's something else going on here. But it starts with that vibration. It starts with that consciousness. Another example is the autobiography of a yogi. How is it that so many people's lives have been transformed by that one book? How can it be? When when Swami Kriyananda first came to Yogananda, Yogananda asked him, uh, how did you like my book? And Swami said, oh, it's wonderful, sir. And Master said, that's because it has my vibrations in it. So yes, it has the teachings in it, has beautiful stories, beautiful words, but much more than that, it's the vibrations, the consciousness 
that flows through it. And so the gardens, the books, the music, the community, all of that, all of these things can be a channel for the, that divine consciousness. And we can be a channel. We can be channels for that divine consciousness. In fact, that's probably the best way that we can share with others, not from the ego, not from our little selves, not from the intellect, but just by letting God flow through us. I look around and I just see all of these people, all of my guru bhais, all my friends who, you know, we come and we want to help others. We want, you know, we get a little taste of these teachings and immediately it's just, it's just natural. Every soul wants to share as soon as we feel a little bit of joy. And yet sometimes it's hard to know how to help others, what to do. And it can be a little frustrating. I remember when I uh, first was teaching at the school here and I was feeling rather overwhelmed because I just felt like I couldn't do enough. I just really wanted to help all the students and the parents and I just, I felt like I just couldn't, didn't know what to do sometimes to, to do more to help. And I went to Nayaswami Anandi and she said, you know, one time I was at the clinic, our clinic that we have up the road, and one of the nurses there gave me a prescription. So I'm gonna give you the same prescription and I'm gonna give this to all of you now, which is an affirmation. I relax and cast aside all mental burdens, allowing God to express through me his perfect love, peace, and wisdom. Relax, open yourself, cast aside your mental burdens, your emotional burdens, all your worries and fears, and allow God to flow through you. Because it isn't you that's helping the other person. It isn't you that's sharing. It's God that's flowing through you. So the more that we can relax and set ourselves, our little selves aside, and let God flow through us. You know, the more I was thinking about this topic, I realized it's not so much about looking around and is that person ready and are they receptive and they are open and should I share with this person? No, it's not about that. It's about the opportunity we have to reflect on how open we can be for God to flow through. I wanted to share a story. When I was traveling this spring, I noticed I was in the airports and public transportation and stuff like that. And I was just noticing how closed off people are, how sort of disconnected people are, you know, people don't really even make eye contact. And when they do, they don't necessarily smile. People don't say hi. And it really struck me because it's the complete opposite here at Ananda Village. Everyone here is your friend, whether you know them or not. You know, I drive around and I just wave at everyone, whether I know who it is, I just wave. And to the point where actually one day I was driving by the goat dairy and there were some deer and I just, <laughs> my hand just went up out of habit, just responding to that, that consciousness, that life, that divine life that flows through everything. Really, all the world is my friend. <laughs> and, you know, I learned that here. I learned that from all of you, from your example, and just being open and being a friend to all. That's the best way we can be a channel, is to just be a friend, to see everyone as a friend, whether you know them or not. Um, I had another interesting example this week. I was leaving meditation and I turned down my road 
and I saw a woman walking and I thought, oh, I'll just wave at her and keep going and get onto my breakfast. But she went in the middle of the road and she waved me down. And so I rolled down my window and uh, she asked me where Hansa Temple was. And I, you know, she was pretty far off, so I started to try and give her directions. And then I realized she had a little name tag on. She's from um, a guest group that's visiting, that, a group that comes and does programs here at our retreat. And she was trying to get to Hansa. And so I said, oh, you know what? Why don't I just give you a ride over? You know, it'll be a lot quicker. I could tell she was feeling late already. And her response was, oh, well, are you sure? Like, I don't usually take rides from strangers. And, you know, <laughs> and, I, and I, you know, I think in the moment I just shrugged it off. Oh, don't worry about it. Just, you know, just hop in. No big deal. And what I've been thinking about that the last couple of days, I know everyone's laughing because I think you probably had the same experience as I did. I've been reflecting on it and I realized there is no part of me on any level that thinks of her as a stranger. I just can't even cognize that because really like everyone here is my friend. Anyone here would do the same exact thing. They would have stopped and given her a ride. Isn't that so? And why is that? It's not, I'm not special. It's the spirit of Ananda. It's what Swami taught us through his example to treat everyone as a friend, no matter who they are, no matter how they behave, no matter where they are on that spectrum of consciousness, to be a friend. Because wherever you are, you need a friend. And wherever you are, you can be a friend and it can help you to expand into greater joy. So, this week, I invite all of us that whatever we do, wherever we go, whoever we meet, think to yourself, how can I be a friend? Whether you're at the store, you're at the DMV, you're on the phone with the health insurance, how can I be a friend to this person? How can I be a channel for that divine sweetness, that divine love and friendship? We have always an opportunity to be a channel for that. So we might not share the teachings, we might not talk about our guru with everybody, but we can share, we can share, we can relax, and we can allow God to flow through us. Yogananda said, it is God who comes to you in the guise of a noble, true friend to serve, inspire, and guide you. And I would say that it is also God who comes through you. I felt that in my life here, that it is God, it is Guru that comes through each one of you to bless and guide and uplift everyone you meet. So I'll end with this whispers from eternity. I was made for thee. I was made for thee alone. I was made for dropping flowers of devotion gently at thy feet on the altar of the morning. My hands were made to serve thee willingly, to remain folded in adoration, waiting for thy coming, and when thou comest, to bathe thy feet with my tears. My voice was made to sing thy glory. My feet were made to seek thy temples everywhere. My eyes were made a chalice to hold thy burning love and the wisdom falling from thy nature's hands. My ears were made to catch the music of thy footsteps, echoing through the halls of space, and to hear thy divine melodies 
flowing through all the heart tracks of devotion. My lips were made to breathe forth thy praises and thine intoxicating inspirations. My love was made to throw incandescent searchlight flames to find thee hidden in the forest of my desires. My heart was made to respond to thy call alone. My soul was made to be the channel through which thy love might flow uninterruptedly into all thirsty souls. my life as a stranger lord roamed far in foreign lands far lord far too far only he who knows he's far from home only he understands only he who knows he's far from home feels the earth and understands sometimes a stranger did take me in then love I thought was near Love, Lord, where is love? As the wind 
dreams upon the desert sand whisper hope then disappear as soft winds breathe on the desert sand so love sighs then disappears sometimes a child laughed and I did pause and dreamed of joys at home joys Lord only a dream for what joy is there without your smile empty like the ocean foam for what joy is there without your smile you're the sea all else is foam how long must i be a wanderer lord you know where i belong you know you know home is where my Lord's sweet presence is I've grown tired of strangers songs home is where my Lord's sweet presence is bless me that I hear your song